My name's Ronnie Chung. I'm a uh, final year general paediatric registrar working at St Mary's Hospital in London. So I'm, and I'm one of the uh, authors of the uh, Using Data to Improve Care paper in the uh, Equipped Quality Improvement Series. So I'm Claire Lima. I'm a consultant and general paediatrician at the Abelina London. And Ronnie's co-author on this paper around data and also co-author with Ronnie on a couple of the other papers in the series. The, the, the key question really about about kind of data and quality improvement, the, the kind of crux of the matter is about knowing how we're doing, isn't it? I always I always think that, you know, if we if we you know, in order to in terms of quality improvement we're thinking about change and improving the status quo. And I think the the very first thing you need to understand is to, to be able to, to measure and to know how we're doing right now. That's to me is why data is is the first point of, of call when we're thinking about quality improvement. Um, and I think it, it informs kind of every stage of quality improvement too. So not just the kind of beginning and getting the baseline, but also understanding the, the what the effects are of the changes that we make, all the incremental changes that we talk about with the plan, do, study, act cycles, um, and how, how measurement and data informs kind of every iteration to show benefit or not for each kind of incremental change. And, and for me, there's something else as well, which is that it's a really powerful way of introducing people to quality improvement because there's nothing as stimulating as putting data in front of a group of clinicians and then watching them pull it apart and argue why the data is wrong or why you know their data is different and shouldn't be judged in the same way. And sure you can put a negative spin on that, but actually that's what we want. We want people to engage and debate and argue and seek seek answers in their data and, and stories can do that as well, but but data clearly has that powerful way of, of affecting people and making them stop and take notice of what's going on. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I, I think, you know, I think we talk about in the in the paper in the, for the first couple of um, paragraphs, uh, and I use the, the, the kind of parallel with um, with research and evidence and kind of evidence-based medicine. And, and actually, that's exactly right. That richness that comes from debate and pulling that data apart and putting it back together again, just as we do with, with, with clinical research and just as all clinicians learn to do, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that we haven't yet got to the stage of doing in terms of getting everybody to, to, to look at um, quality improvement and, and data in the same way. But I think when we do that and when it comes together, then actually, I completely agree with you. I think that that that's such an exciting uh, aspect of it, and actually, that that's the bit that get really gets gets interesting. I think it is also important to put a caveat in there, which is that, as you said, data underpins so many elements of quality improvement, and there has to be rigor in how that data is collected and how it's analysed and 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 how it's presented in order to sort of allow people to have that discussion in a, in, a, in a useful way, and then to and then to move with that data to to some kind of answers or at least further questions that can sort of drive improvement. We do have to be mindful of, of, of how that data is created in the first place in order that those questions and those conversations are useful ones. Yes, I, I think that's true. Actually, that, that leads on to this discussion around trying to figure out at the beginning what it is that you want to measure first. So I guess, I guess that's the kind of part of the rigour of it, isn't it, is to kind of understand what you're, what you're trying to achieve, how you know you've been successful, and then we'll think about some other problems that might arise as a result. And if you've kind of planned that and set that scope to begin with, what you measure and what you come up with is uh, something that's much more valuable than sort of picking at things as they as they develop and as they go along. I mean, there's benefit to that too, of course, don't get me wrong. Um, it's really important to kind of be reactive to, 
to things as they change. But, but I think it's so important to be able to set that scope early on, set the limits, define the limits and define what you're trying to measure so that it has that rigor and that robustness. And you can kind of rely on the, the, um, the results just as you do, as I say, in pure clinical research settings. I, I think that's I think that's very true, and I think as as you talked about in in the paper, it's really important to to think really long and hard about making sure that the data indicators that are used are um, as easy to collect as possible, so that um, you set yourself realistic goals when you're trying to identify what data you're going to use. It's very easy to reach for the stars and and not manage to get there in this kind of Right, and I, I think it's about being opportunistic to some extent, isn't it? As well, sort of thinking about what 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 data you can use that actually already exists, or or using the resources, uh, sort of human resources, or the kind of people, the teams that that you've got available, and trying to kind of keep it manageable and keep it sustainable. Because I think that's the other the other uh, key to it, and that's the other thing that that kind of you often hear about with sort of quality improvement projects and things that they they fall by the wayside after a while because actually the initial enthusiasm and energy that everyone has kind of fades away because the because you need so much work to kind of keep driving things forward but if you can use stuff that already exists or keep or as you say keeping it keeping the scope sort of uh, manageable and keeping things simple then actually your chances of being able to make it sustainable are much much greater the other point that's really important to bring out here is, is the question around variation because we talked a lot about data in terms of sort of local quality improvement projects how you can See, see a problem, something that annoys you, and start to think about how to solve it and how you can generate data to underpin that quest. But the other area that, that's really important is how do we compare to other places? And that can be a small scale or it can be a geographic scale. Um, Ronnie, that's really your kind of special area. So thinking about kind of how things vary, I, I, I think about um, variation in two different ways, and sort of I, the way I, that we laid out on the paper, which is, is which is about, around variation, so among systems, if you like, and then a variation within within uh, systems, which is more of a sort of temporal uh, variation. And I think, I think the, but I think that the same sort of principles underline the two things. I think trying to reduce variation is, is is something that's come through kind of mainly from industrial practices, as I was going to say, sort of industry, and um, and thinking about um, reducing variation, both uh, to reduce. Uh, waste and to increase reliability um, and then be able to compare um, sort of outcomes and processes between systems is um, is also something that kind of um, is really really helpful to think about and it, there's an issue about efficiency and trying to, to reduce the amount of waste there is but actually it's much more important than that it's about the kind of quality of um, of the product so in our, in our case it's kind of the healthcare that we provide and I think thinking about variation between systems is Sometimes this can be very tricky and can can be quite a, a controversial topic because um, people think about the outcomes that they have and there's so many variables in terms of the population that they serve or actually people thinking that actually we, we're providing a specific service for um, specific um, groups of patients with certain problems um, and actually the, the variation isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I, and I, but I think you know it's really important to think about the the, the causes of some of that variation. Thinking about what you can explain by um, by some of those differences and what you can't. 
and then I guess the, the other the other thing is around variation within systems, and I think that's that's around change and around change over time, uh, sort of seasonality, thinking about what the, the sorts of things that we can we can influence and the things we can't, and it just sort of a statistical way of taking away that variation due to chance and trying to to try to extract what it is that we can kind of influence and what we can't. There's lots of information out there, and and, that, and we put that in the. Um, in the useful links at the end for people that are interested and want to look into it a little bit more, that they can get a lot more information out of it there. And I guess the only other thing that is probably useful to say is um, sometimes when you read papers like this, they're a bit overwhelming. They, they feel like there's quite a lot of, of facts and it feels quite distant from the life of an everyday clinician. But I mean, I think you know the data points that we're talking here about here can be tiny, and I, I often if I'm helping people with quality improvement projects start off like they start with something that isn't student healthcare at all um, and collect data to do something else in your life so you just get a flavour of what we're talking about and then you can start to apply what your what your what the principles that you've learned are to healthcare and you know you can do you can do the PDFA cycles on anything from how many cups of coffee you drink a day to I don't know how many times you, you get to sleep at a time that's sensible. It doesn't really matter um, what the sort of practice practice area is, it's that kind of concept of collecting data and changing something and looking again at that data and seeing how how you're doing and, and really focusing on the on the data and and what's influencing it and getting into that habit. My take home messages for this paper would be a couple of things. One is around really trying to see the value of of data and doing this and, and the way to do that I think is by building it into kind of routine practice that you're kind of doing it all the time and trying to keeping it and the second thing is to try and keep it as simple as as you possibly can whilst getting the results that you want and i think those are the two things that make it fun and make it practical and make it sustainable